Behind the Bite podcast is part of a network of podcasts that are good for the world. Check out podcasts like the Full of Shit podcast, After the First Marriage podcast, and Eating Recovery Academy over at practiceofthepractice.com backslash network. Welcome to Behind the Bite podcast. This podcast is about the real life struggles women face with food, body image, and weight. We're here to help heal, inspire, and create better, healthier lives. Welcome. Well, hello, everyone. So today's show is not focused specifically on eating disorders and body image. However, I do think that what we're going to discuss today is extremely important and actually very relevant to eating disorders and body image. Mental health in general really needs to be discussed much, much more than it is. And while I'm glad to see that there is now more than ever, really, especially post-pandemic, really a lot more discussion, we still need to break the stigma that still unfortunately exists out there about mental health illnesses. And unfortunately, there's also still a lot of information out there that's just wrong about it. And so in my opinion, we really can't talk about it enough. And so with all of that being said, I'm really looking forward to speaking today today's guest. And I know all of you out here listening are going to be glad you tuned in as well. So sit back, relax, and find a quiet space to listen because Eric DeRosa, who is known to friends as Yoda, is an inspirational speaker and both the founder and co-host of the From Survivor to Thriver podcast. He is on the front end of mental health conversations along with his co-host, Mark Fernandez. And each week, he tackles different mental health topics through honest and relatable quote-unquote, kitchen table conversations with real people who are helping to shatter mental health stigmas and find their voices. He aims to normalize discussions around mental health topics and remind his audience that they are not alone and that there is strength in community and that it's perfectly okay to not always be okay. Well, Eric, welcome to the show. Hi, Christina. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited, and I couldn't think of a better way to be spending my Friday morning other than speaking with you. So, thanks so much. Right, Friday morning. I got my coffee. You're here. This is great. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, because you're on uh, you're on the Pacific time, so I'm in the mountains. So, uh, I just finished my coffee and getting ready to go out on a fun mountain bike ride after we finish our recording. So nice. Okay. So is that typically how you spend your Fridays? Yes. Uh, summertime, definitely try to get some work in in the morning, uh, whether we're recording a show or if I'm doing something related to uh, my other nonprofit work and then go out for a nice long mountain bike ride in the mountains. It's beautiful here this time of year and uh, and very similar in the winter. So try to get same kind of thing done early in the morning and then go out skiing for a few hours and finish up my day late in the afternoon. Fantastic. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's been really hot where I'm at. So <laughs> see what happens the rest of the day. But, you know, I don't know. Yeah, we've had, um, it's interesting. There's been such a drought, I know, in the West for a number of years now. And 
this year they were expecting it to be pretty dry here in the Rockies. We had a, a fairly rainy June and it's been raining at least for an hour or two every day now in July. So everything is super green. I'm watching a hummingbird just kind of fly around outside my window and it it looks kind of like a lush rainforest. It's It's as green as I've ever seen it since I've lived here in the past 11 years. Well, spend some of that rain over, will you? Yes. <laughs> Happy to. Yeah. So, um, you know, you have quite an interesting story. And, um, you know, I'm really excited also to have you on because we're going to talk about um, something that, you know, is a little bit off from the typical topic I talk about, which is eating disorders, but it's so related because we're talking about mental health. And um, so, would, would you just mind? for the audience sharing a little bit about like your path, your journey and what this is that you are doing. That's so amazing that why I have you on the show. So. Sure. Uh, uh, I love the question. So my, I'm 50 now. My journey uh, has been probably since the age of seven. So my mental health journey, and uh, I haven't always had a podcast and I haven't always lived here in Colorado prior, prior to that. I grew up uh, on the East Coast, about 45 minutes south of Boston, went to school outside of Boston, was very lucky, uh, met my wife uh, at university, and we moved to New York. And I spent almost two decades in New York in the financial world uh, before moving here to Colorado in the fall of 2011. Underpinning all of that uh, was for a very long time my own very secret and private uh, battle with OCD, uh, intrusive thoughts, physical manifestations of OCD, uh, as well as severe, oftentimes crippling anxiety, uh, which has just recently in the last nine months been diagnosed as PTSD. And when I talk about it now, uh, I say I'm so excited to have my PTSD diagnosis because hearing those four letters for the first time changed my life for the better. And so I, I suffered in silence. Uh, as I said, I can remember back to you know being seven uh, all the way through uh, middle school, high school, college, uh, living in New York. And it wasn't until 2004 when I had my first real dissociative episode. My wife uh, was a very big inspiration uh, to get me into seeing a therapist, uh, a real therapist for the first time. And that was the first time I had ever spoken really openly and honestly about what was happening with me. But at the time, I thought it was more of just a quick fix. I didn't realize that this was going to be a lifelong journey. And so I spent about a year uh, working with my therapist and then uh, decided I was my own best doctor, uh, stopped taking my medication, uh, wasn't seeing him anymore. And in 2006, I'm sure it's no surprise to you or your audience, uh, went through my second dissociative episode. And that was when uh, I realized it was time to get very, very serious about my mental health and what was happening to me. And from that point on, uh, I've been on medication. I've had an amazing therapist in New York. My wife and I moved here to Colorado in the fall, as I mentioned, of 2011. A very big piece of that was leaving New York City uh, and finding a place 
where I would be much uh, better suited uh, to be able to deal with my own mental health issues and be outside, be in nature. And here I am, uh, you know, the journey continues, but I started a mental health podcast, as you had alluded to, Mm -hmm. uh, with my very close friend uh, here in in Snowmass Village, Mark Fernandes. And we launched that in January of 2021. And ultimately, the goal and the mission of the podcast is to shatter the stigma around mental health conversations so that others don't have to suffer in silence. They will recognize, hey, I'm not the only one. There are other people just like me. And in order to be able to utilize and find all of the amazing resources that are out there. And as we've done more and more episodes of the podcast, what I've really realized at the end of the day, it's aimed at helping people and giving people hope. By hearing other people's stories told in a kitchen table-like conversation. Uh, Our hope is someone will listen and say, hey, that that person sounds like me. They're real and they're relatable. And if it helps them to change the trajectory of their own personal journey, or if it gives them one extra hour to just stop and think about what they may or may not have been contemplating and allows them to just take that that pause and take some action to either reach out to speak to somebody uh and if we can save a life if we can change the course of somebody's journey then that that for us the job is done and that that to me is amazing right and because that's really the goal of my podcast too is to have people come on and share their stories because we don't talk about much you know Privately, I think there's a lot of shame, a lot of embarrassment, a lot of stigma about mental health. Um, so I applaud you so much for having your podcast. You know, mine is, like I said, more geared toward eating disorders. But sa- same thing. If, if the more we get talking, the more we open up about it, the less I think there's stigma, the less fear there is. There's more awareness. And, and I think your big word that you said was hope, right? Yes. Hope that things can get better. Hope that people listening, you can relate and go, wow, that's me. Like your life can improve. Your life can get better. You don't have to suffer. Yes. And that, you know, and I love what you're doing with your show. And you and I have spoken, uh, you know, a couple of months ago about uh, each other's mission. And in fact, I listened to um, a couple of episodes back and there was a really interesting uh, topic which was on related to the intersection of exercise and Mm -hmm. eating disorders. And, And as I was listening to it, I was putting into my own mind the idea of not only exercise and over-exercising and how that relates to to ED, but I was thinking of my own personal journey of how I often use things like exercise, whether it was running when I was younger, uh, mountain biking, skiing. I, I noticed now that I did those two extremes and I use them more as a distraction. And it was a way for me to escape for whatever period of time that was the intrusive thoughts that were in my head it helped me a little bit to calm my anxiety but it really was a distraction and it wasn't until the last year or so that i realized that those are things that i really 
cherish and love to do. And I don't need to turn the dial from zero to a hundred. I can turn the dial from zero to 10 or zero to 20, go out and have a fun ride with my friends. If my body's feeling tired on a particular day, maybe I don't even go out. And so hearing that episode brought up a whole bunch of interesting thoughts in my own mind uh, about um, how things like exercise can play so many uh, both good and uh, you know self-destructive roles uh, in people's lives. Oh, thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks for sharing that too. You know, I think I think that's to your point when you were just sharing about your your own history starting at age seven. I, you know, I'm wondering even for you, just did you just think that was the norm, like how everyone existed and and experienced the world? Because you know, as you said, you didn't really realize anything was you were struggling with anything. It was just like this is my life. This is how things are, and so. I don't know until somebody maybe listens to like a, one of your podcasts, they might not realize like, oh, wait, <laughs> how I've been experiencing life and going through life is a struggle or I might have something that I don't need to be dealing with or there's something here that maybe if I go talk to a therapist that I can change or shift. No, that's a great question. And if I think back to my much younger self, And we now refer to that much younger self as little Eric, as we've done a lot of inner child work around my my trauma and PTSD, that for a very long time, yes, on one side, I thought it was normal. uh, Mm. And I thought that this is just how the world was. Mm. But there was another part of me, which was, I think, taking on a, a larger and larger role which was telling my, which was telling me, there's something not right about you. You're different, uh, but don't say anything, mm-hmm. right? I grew up, I was, I grew up in the '70s and '80s during my formative years, and, and so it was never spoken about. And you know, the the sleepless nights, the the thoughts, you know, swirling and raging around in my head, uh, the physical uh, and emotional manifestations of anxiety. Uh, it was it was all things that you know would come on at any particular point in time in my in my day. And I just thought if I could just like wish it away, push it away mm-hmm. uh, and and not talk about it. And that's how I existed for a very, very, very long time. And, and I talk often about as I move through my teenage years and then into college and especially into my career, I was, I was almost living a dual life, right? With the facade and the energy drain that was occurring from me trying on the outside to make people see who I wanted them to see, who is this person that was completely put together. Uh, I, I, I was able to, you know, interact with people. No one knew what was happening. And while all the while on the inside, I was just struggling. And, and there were times when it would abate and I would think, Oh, great. Like, this is over almost, almost like kind of having a stomach ache. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would think, okay, great. And some time would go on and then it would come back. And mm-hmm. my, my thought would be, why is this happening again? Why me? Uh, and so I would sort of retreat into that, 
yeah, dual role again. Um, and I realized now how exhausting that was. It, it was, it was trying to be two people at the same time. And it was physically and mentally exhausting keeping that facade. It was just as it was physically and mentally exhausting going through all of the manifestations of anxiety and OCD that I did for so long in my life. So did anyone pick up on it? Did anyone ever say anything to you? Or is this just this internal, like, it sounds like, you know, hell to me, the way you're describing it. Did any, anyone know or say anything to you? It's interesting. Uh, So I've, I've done a lot of work currently kind of looking back. And Mm. when I launched, when we launched the podcast, I had a bunch of friends from high school and from other younger times in my life and and their response one was like congratulations we're so proud of what you're doing but the other was we had no idea Uh, we absolutely had no idea and we just thought that's who you were like we we didn't think anything was wrong but it's also led to some very interesting discussions because they've said to me if i had only known what you were going through, I would have been able to share what I was going through. And so I think about kids nowadays, and I think about, you know, high school and middle school and social media. And there are so many kids who are in that very same situation that I was in and my friends were in, where we we didn't give off any of those signs or symptoms. We didn't talk about it. We didn't hint at it. Uh, and uh, so one of the one of the things that I hope is people don't have to suffer in silence, as I did mm-hmm. at such a young age for so long. But they'll feel more comfortable having that conversation, whether it's with friends or whether it's with their parents. And and that was another thing. I, I really never shared it with, with anyone in my family. Um, you know, I had, there was a lot of childhood trauma, uh, which led up to, uh, those symptoms and, and was eventually one of the, the root causes of, you know, my emotional PTSD. And so I wasn't really even aware like of what was happening. I never would have even thought how to start that conversation. Um, so yeah, it's, there were no, there were definitely no tells. And I would, uh, I would make it a point during the day to really just kind of like check in and be like, hmm, does anybody know? Like, is anybody, am I getting any looks? Right. So I was very aware of what was happening. And I was also very aware of making sure that like nobody could see it. That is so interesting. So there was a party that knew, like, I have to hide this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think when it became really, really challenging for me, so I graduated university, we moved to New York City. And I I like to joke, what better place for somebody with, you know, spiraling anxiety and OCD than Wall Street, right? So go to Wall Street. uh, And so now I'm in a world which is back then it was in the early nineties. So it was still very much dominated by like, uh, let's call it that toxic masculinity culture. Uh, And so I immediately, right. I'm, I'm thrown into this world. I'm only 21 years old and I'm like, nobody can see this. Like nobody can see this. Like they, they have trusted me to come like work in this firm and they think I'm 
this completely put together, you know, individual and, and I've gone to the right schools and I've done all the right things. And so I, I did all these things to try to fit into that world. Uh, and it, it was, it was a real challenge. And I think if anything, it just continued to exacerbate all of these underlying symptoms for me. There was, there was more and more stress that I put on top of myself in my career and in, in my life in general. Uh, and so, yeah, I, from, you know, 1993, I left wall street in 2004 and I, I moved into the corporate world, uh, on, on the corporate finance side. And, and even then I thought, I'm going to leave Wall Street. I'm going to go into kind of a world that's a little bit less uh, frenzied and fast-paced and, and stressful. And I found myself following that exact same path. Like I just wanted more and more and more and more. Uh, and the responsibility came and the the roles and the the promotions and jobs came. And I found myself right back in that same place that I had been in, uh, in, in, in my wall street career. So yeah, it was, it was definitely, it was definitely a struggle to try to, to fit in and, and, and especially being a male in that world, like I didn't want to show any weakness. I didn't want to show any vulnerability. I thought if anybody finds out what's going on with me, uh, or, you know, the imposter syndrome started raging, like I'll be, I'll be out the door in a second. Wow. So were you talking to anybody about it? You're just holding it all in. Oh, I was holding it all in. I was, I was, you know, my wife and I would kind of just chat a little bit from time to time uh, Mm -hmm. as, as you know, one of the things that that's been so amazing here we are, we've been together for over 30 years now and Congratulations. Thank you. We just celebrated our, our 25th wedding anniversary a couple of months back. And uh and you know, we would we would each talk a little bit about some of our issues. Um, but I never um led on to what what was going on in my head. I thought if anybody if if I disclosed any of this, even to a therapist, I didn't trust speaking to a therapist about it. I was afraid I was going to get you know either locked up. <laughs> I was going to be uh, I was going to be brought to you know a psychiatric ward and maybe never see the outside world again. And I just kept thinking I've managed it and I've I've lived with it for this long. I have periods where I do tend to feel or did tend to feel okay. Um, and so if I could just make those periods last a little bit longer, uh, then, you know, I, I, I can deal with the bad times. And so, yeah, it, I, I never spoke about it. It was, it was not anything that I discussed until I was 33 years old. And in, in 2004, when that dissociative episode happened, um, you know, the floodgates opened for me at home with, with, my wife and kind of, you know, I shared everything that was happening for the very, very first time. And it was the first time I shared it with uh, somebody who I wasn't close to, who, you know, happened to be my therapist. So for anyone listening who's going, what on earth is a dissociative disorder? I mean, would you mind sharing a little bit? Because I think people like, how do I know if I've had one of those? Sure, sure. And, you know, and you as a professional, you can correct me <laughs> if I miss anything along the way. So dissociative episodes, and I know now they're they're often referred to as like a psychotic break or um, nervous breakdowns is how they were referred to way back in the day. Mm-hmm. So 
when they happened to for me, uh, and I use that word for, not to, uh, intentionally, mm-hmm. what often leads up to it is, uh, for me, it's usually kind of a nine-month build, I would say, where my stress level is building and my anxiety is building. Uh, but it's kind of bubbling underneath the surface and I'm not recognizing it. So I'm, I just keep pushing myself and the, uh, the obsessive compulsive thoughts and the intrusive thoughts cycle begins, but it's not completely and totally like unmanageable. And so I, I would work through those things and then there'd be a trigger and that trigger would set the intrusive thoughts in my case off kind of racing and then it would eventually over the course of let's call it you know three or four days lead to a complete lack of sleep um so i was exhausted both physically and mentally i was i wasn't eating very well uh and if you imagine uh kind of like a pair of blinders and they start like in, in for people who aren't watching my hands are kind of way out to the side of my head and just like in the shape of a funnel they close in and they close in and they close in until it feels as though you're kind of just looking through a pinhole um and i started and as i remember it now i really started to find that my brain and my body were not running on the same speed that my brain was slowing down, uh, but my physical body, I was feeling anxious and, and uptight and, um, you know, angry. And, and, and then all of a sudden, um, in, in one instance, it was uh, about a 24-hour period. And the second instance, it lasted uh, for a long three-day weekend where I have no recollection of that time period. It's as though I completely dissociated or like left my body. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and one of my uh, therapist friends refers to it kind of like a control alt delete on a computer when you need to reboot it. And it's your brain's way of protecting itself from going into this kind of manic spiral. So even though physically, you know, I could walk around, um, you know, I, I wasn't sleeping, but I was able to like find my way around to do things. My brain was completely shut off. Uh, and then I just remember when I would come out of that, uh, episode, um, it would start with almost a mania or a euphoria. Like it was as though, um, my brain had reset and all of those, um, anxious and, and OCD moments had disappeared. And all I wanted to do is eat. All I wanted to do was, you know, to laugh and to joke. And that would last for, you know, a few hours. And then suddenly the long downward spiral would happen. Uh, and then that that could last for a while, right? And, and so that's when, with the help of medication and, you know, 
talk therapy, I was able to start at least getting to kind of what the root causes were. Uh, mm-hmm. And the second time, the only thing that that allowed that to uh, really subside, you know, I went on a very low dose uh, benzo. And uh, I just remember, you know, sleeping for like 12 hours. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, and I came very close to a third one this past fall. Uh, but knowing and recognizing some of the signs and symptoms, we caught it, you know, a, a day or so before it would have become a, a full-blown break. So that that's kind of what the experience is from my side and what it feels like. So I don't know if I've, I've missed anything on the professional end, uh, Christina, but let me know. Well, no, and I think that that's, that's the thing is it's your experience of it and that you sharing how you experienced is exactly the point of, of you sharing it because other people hearing that might go, Oh my gosh, like I had no idea. Like when I went through something similar or something like that, the way you describe it, they, somebody listening to this might go, Oh my goodness. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I thought that was something else. Um, or I thought I was just exhausted or I thought, you know, like, so for anyone listening who maybe is it, you know, going, Oh my gosh, like maybe I need to go talk to somebody or I didn't realize that's what that was. Um, that's the whole power in you sharing. So thank you for that. Oh, um, no, my pleasure. It, and as you were just talking, it reminds me of like being in a zombie state yeah. is, is another, I think, way to, to be able to describe it. And and when I tell you, I literally, and I tell your audience, I literally have no recollection, recollection of what transpired mm-hmm. while I was in that state to this day. Wow. And so, you know, I think the most amazing thing that I heard from what you said too, is you started now, you can identify when it's starting to come. And I think that there's two things to that. One is through the use of, you know, all the work you've done, you know, you've come so far in being able to understand yourself and how you function in your body and being able to say, wait a minute, I see something coming here which is, you know, improvement in terms of like your life functioning. You're able to like now have some awareness to improve your mental health so that you don't go through that again. Like you you know what's coming, right? You've done a lot of work, obviously. Um, And I think, I think the biggest part of it, when, you know, when I think about all the work I've been doing, I've, you know, I, a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy. I have an amazing therapist here. And, and interestingly, both Mark and I, my podcast host, we share the same therapist. Mm-hmm. And so we talk openly about her on, on the show because we also want to destigmatize that about mm-hmm. like, yeah, we, we talk to each other about our therapy sessions, right? It's, you know, no different than if you going to the doctor and uh, having a procedure done and you kind of, share it and talk to talk to your friends about it uh so there's that piece of it there's what i've been doing on the eastern medicine side so i've done lots and lots of reiki uh energy healing which has been extremely helpful and mindfulness and meditation and living here in the mountains i get to spend 365 days a year outside connected to nature which Mm -hmm. is which is so very important to me and i think all of those combined, I call it my equilateral triangle, right? And that's what keeps me balanced is each one of those. Uh, mm-hmm. If I take one of those away, the whole triangle kind of shatters. And that's how I've been, I've been referring to it recently. 
But also it's helped me to understand what I talked about earlier, which is this dial. And my wife used to give me the nickname all or nothing. So I either did things, you know, at a hundred percent or I didn't do them at all. And so by shifting that mindset and being able to recognize that today is going to be a day where I'm going to go ski with my friends for two hours. I don't need to ski from the time the chairlift opens until the end of the day. Uh, And then I'm going to come home and I'm going to spend half an hour listening to some music. And then I'm going to go check some emails. And so just checking in with myself, uh, and, and I call it now, like meeting yourself where you're at, because we're, we're all taught throughout our lives to meet others where they're at. Uh, but I like to say you can't meet others where you're at until you know where you're at. And so it's on a daily basis now, it's checking in with me and saying, where am I at today? What do I need today? What do I don't need today? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and every day will be a little bit different. One day may be more work. One day may be more outdoor activity. And it's finding that correct balance so that I can keep, you know, the, the cognitive and the somatic, right. Working together. And I don't allow one or the other to get so misaligned that I suddenly start to go down this, this spiral. And that's a great message. I think, because you're so right. We, most people don't put self-care as a priority or even know what that looks like. I think there's just so many, you know, let's talk about like, there's so many have to's versus like want to's and there's not much of a balance. And even, you know, there's a confusion. I think even on the want to's people are like, well, if I get my laundry done, then I'll feel better. So that's a want to, I want to do it. So I feel better. It's like, wait a minute, <laughs> hold on here. Exactly. Um, you know, and, and as I'm listening to, you know, the choices you've made in your life, even like drastic choices, you've moved like states away, you've changed your whole life, you've changed so many things so you can have that like triangle as you've talked about. So you can live in a different environment, you can fit in the things that really, like, give you something back, like, you know, being able to go on a bike ride or ski or do these things. And so, um, you know, because I'm, I'm imagining I had a little thought in my head, like people listening going, well, yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to be like, yeah, I'd like to leave, leave the office and go on a bike ride today, but I can't do that, you know? Um, but really maybe sitting back and thinking like, how can I shift my life or do things? Maybe it might be a drastic change, but what's the cost if you don't? Exactly. And I think we talk a lot about COVID and the negative impacts of COVID and COVID anxiety and long haul COVID and all these things. But I also feel like there are some silver linings that have come out of COVID. One is getting this whole mental health conversation going. I think the other is it's changed the not only the way, but the location of where people work, right? So I still have some friends back in New York. Uh, there are still you know, some offices which are demanding the employees have to go. Uh, and it's no coincidence that it's you know, the finance world and the legal world, right? And, and, and I don't see that changing anytime soon, unfortunately. But so many other companies are allowing people to work from home. And, and that, I think, allows, right, to be able to step away for an hour. Uh, Yes, I. Whenever I I had teams and people working for me, uh, and this was way before COVID, uh, I always said, it doesn't matter where you are. I really don't care where you are. 
you know, you're an adult, you know what needs to be done. As long as it gets done, that's great. Uh, and so for me, FaceTime was never like literal FaceTime in the office was never a big thing. Working super late hours, right? I That wasn't something I never like gave people, you know, accolades because they had been in the office until like 11 o'clock every night. Um, and so I think, I think nowadays, um, as the conversation around mental health becomes, you know, more and more open, as people start to talk more about self-care and they have these different work environments, I think it's a matter of figuring out like what needs to be done when, what's a priority, um, mm-hmm. and also recognizing that your your own care is a priority. So if you're in a place where instead of hopping in the car to go get lunch, maybe you have make lunch at home and go walk and, and find a quiet place to sit. Uh, or on the weekends, maybe you get up a little bit earlier and go do some activity that you really like to do. It doesn't have to be as dramatic of a change as what I made. It's if, if you start making some of these small changes, uh, you'll find, I think, a little bit better balance overall in your life. You'll become better at your job. You'll become happier in your overall life. Uh, and it, you'll figure out like what the right balance is for you because for everyone, it's different. Yeah. And yeah, that's true. Um, I think you're right. COVID did change lots and lots of people's lives and priorities. And um, so we're living in a different world now. And one of the biggest things that has shifted is there is more talk about mental health and there's more awareness, which is a great, wonderful, positive thing. Like you said, you started your podcast during all this, as did I. So (laughs) things have shifted, changed. And yes. You know, I'm glad we're having more conversation and definitely your podcast. Um, you know, people are probably going, how do I listen to it? How do I find you? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've listened to it's great. So um, thank you so much. How do people find your podcast and you? Sure. So uh, the podcast is called From Survivor to Thriver. And we we named it that because uh, when I looked at myself, Mark looked at, you know, his journey. uh, and, And we think about mental health journeys, there is a point at which we are hanging on and we're surviving. Uh, But then there's the point at which we begin to take some steps, whether it's having the conversation with a friend, a loved one, somebody that we trust, uh, having starting to do some work uh, through therapy or, or, you know, doing some Eastern uh, medicine healing or, you know, being able to go out and and explore uh, in nature and, and, when that happens, that's where the shift happens. And that's where you go from surviving to thriving. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to make it clear that thriving doesn't mean that every single day of your life is, you know, rainbows and glitter and unicorns. <laughs> it just means that you now are comfortable owning it. Uh, and you've recognized that you can move through it. And the tagline I always talk about on the show is it's perfectly okay to not always be okay. And I threw the always in there because I know for myself and also 
a lot of people talk about is okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, not really. Like if you're not okay for a period of time, that's not okay. <laughs> but you're going to have good days and bad days and, and things are going to change. Uh, so that's, that's kind of where the, the name came from. And, and really, as I, as I mentioned, that whole, the, the thriver piece is really showing people that there is hope that, that there is a way through that there are resources out there and that there's, light at the end of the tunnel. And so you can find us on, we're on Apple, Spotify, all the major players, wherever you find your podcasts. We have a Facebook page. It's called From Survivor to Thriver. It's an interactive Facebook page. And so we're, you know, we're doing lots of posts. We put up the podcast episodes. We'll put up some uh, short, either teaser clips, uh, or once in a while, we'll put up full videos. If, if, our guests uh, want to have those posted, uh, and we also love the interaction. We it's it's been created as a community, and so we want people to not only see what's see what's there, but also interact and uh, and and find kind of a, a safe place where they know they can they can comment and they can message us and uh and they have uh you know well, as i call it a healing team a support team uh that completely and totally you know comes from a point of a place of empathy and knows uh what what they're experiencing uh i'm also on facebook you know personally so it's eric e-r-i-k de rosa and um on instagram uh, my handle is at ski sherpa s-k-i-s-h-e-r-p-a and you'll find kind of a fun mix of uh you know my mountain biking and skiing uh exploits uh i show the the real not the instagram world but i show the real world of that uh and i mix in a lot of what we're doing on the podcast as well as my own personal mental health journey so i'd love you know please feel free, reach out, uh, you know, give us a, give us a follow, give us a listen. We have, we've, uh, released, uh, 68 episodes now into the world and we have a whole bunch in the works and Christina, I know you're going to be, uh, an upcoming guest on our show and we're really excited about that as well. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that too. So fantastic. Lots of great content, lots of stuff that people can go and, you know, go and look at his, you know, mountain biking and skiing <laughs> too. So fantastic. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to have you that. on. And oh, thank you for sharing. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, if I can leave uh, your audience with, you know, with just one message, it's, you know, if you feel like something isn't right, you don't have to suffer in silence, find someone it doesn't matter who it is, as long as that's a trusted person. And the moment you begin to share what you're feeling, you'll feel a weight come off of your shoulders. And the journey from that point on will get easier, I promise. Very well said. Thank you again so much. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is given with the understanding that neither the host, the publisher, or the guest are rendering legal, accounting, clinical, or any other professional information. If you want a professional, you should find one.